Thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. Attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours looking for candidates with the right skills. Start hiring now at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer good for a limited time. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. All right, everybody. Let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of apple ladies and gentlemen boys and girls it is episode 243 getting closer to 250 and you know what this is a special one because apple just officially announced that emergency sos via satellite for the iphone 14 and 14 pro lineup that switch has been flipped and to get things kicked off with that i get an exclusive interview with the Senior Director of iPhone Product Marketing, Maxime Veron. So we're going to get to that interview that I'm the only one that got to do it. I made I made sure, um, just so I wouldn't be yelling, you know, I hate it when people say exclusive, exclusive. So that is some special content that um, no one else has anywhere. So you're going to be able to hear it first. Apple has now officially rolled out the feature and also announced new countries and when those countries will be available. So That interview segment will be coming up very shortly. But before we get to that, some orders of business. You want to be a part of the show? Hey, you know what to do. Record a voice memo. Send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, your comments, your thoughts, your criticisms. Send it in applebitsshow at gmail.com, and I will play them, and I will answer them in the show. Also, this show is brought to you by you, Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support my content and this podcast. It starts at $2 per month. $5 is like a cup of coffee per month, which is if that's the value I give to you, I would appreciate it so much. We got the $10 level, the $25 level, and the $100 platinum Apple level. This supports the show, supports all my content, and you get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. You don't hear any of this if you support me at patreon.com slash Tong, meaning there's a special version of the podcast ad-free that you can get through that. All right, so this is episode 243. I thought we'd start off with a bang, so let's talk about it. Emergency SOS, this is the feature that allows you to, if you have no cell signal, be able to still contact uh, emergency responders via a new feature only in the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro lineups to talk to satellite. It's basically a, a, a partnership with Global Star to get that communication line happening if you're in a remote area. So I was fortunate enough to head over to Apple Park last week. I got to do a full hands-on the feature, but I also was able to get an exclusive interview. So let's just get to it and let you guys and gals hear what we talked about. What's up, everybody? Hey, Brian Tong here at Apple Park for a special interview. We've got the Senior Director of iPhone Product Marketing, Maxime Varon here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, we're here to talk about emergency SOS via... Satellite. Satellite. Coming to the iPhone 14, 14 Pro with iOS 16.1. I got all my ducks in a row there. Correct. Emergency uh, SOS via satellite. Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the question that I wanted to start off with is... You know, when did were the seeds of this idea? Like, where did it start? Obviously, this doesn't happen overnight, but how did this kind of feature start coming together? Yeah, it took us years to really uh, put this together because as, you, as you've seen uh, over the last few years, we've put a lot of emphasis on safety features, mm-hmm. right? With emergency SOS, full, det- 
detection, most recently crash detection as well. And we've always pushing the envelope to see how we can, how can we help our customers even more. And so a few years ago, we had this crazy idea <laughs> of what if iPhone could connect to satellite when you have no other ways to communicate to, especially in the specific use case, in critical use case, when you have something happening and you're totally off the grid. Was, was there a specific incident that inspired the group or maybe someone on the team that kind of really helped elevate this idea? Everybody's got stories about, mm -hmm. uh, about something that happened and they couldn't reach emergency services. Uh, personally, for me, there was a hiking trip with my family and my, my daughter fell and she cut mm -hmm. herself to the bone and I couldn't mm -hmm. call for help. And I didn't know better and that was a few years ago. And now with emergency as well as via satellite, I could have actually been able to get some help. Do you, could, are you able to tell us even how far back this idea started? Is it like two years? Is it three years? Because there's a lot of things that happen that need to come into place for this all to happen, right? It's been several years, because as, as you can tell, there's several a lot of Several guys, not two or three, several. <laughs> several. There's a lot of things that need to come together. <laughs> the two key challenges we had to face. The first one is how can we actually connect iPhone to a satellite without having a bulky antenna mm -hmm. connected to it? And the second thing is, how do we also connect to what's called the PSAP, Public Safety Answering Points, which is where these you know, unsung heroes actually pick up the phone when you call 911 mm -hmm. and dispatch the right and appropriate uh, emergency services, because this is critical to make this experience a good one. So we're gonna kind of drill down a little bit in, in how it works. Um, you know, one of the features is that if you have no cell signal, right, no Wi-Fi, you you're basically have no way to connect. Um, you know, it prompts you to do an emergency SOS call. I'm kind of curious because for me, there's a lot of times where you might have like one, one sliver of that cell signal. Is there a way, and you, but you don't get any data, it seems like you, know, you can't really connect to anything. Are, are there ways where someone could even kind of force the prompt to happen if the data is just so incredibly like little to connect to? Well, the data is not really the important part there because if you do have one, one bar and that means you can place a phone call, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the best is really to call 911 because getting someone on the line they come to talk to live is the best way to get the help you need when you need the most. Uh, emergency SOS via satellite has been designed for the other case when you have zero signal. You're away from any cell tower, you're maybe mm. hiking or you're skiing somewhere and you have no other way to communicate. And at that point, you can use a satellite that are above head that have very little bandwidth but can still be a lifeline if you need help at that moment. So we also um, know, and you guys have talked about how Apple came up with a kind of a compression algorithm for these text messages to make them, I guess, roughly three times as large so that they could be sent faster via satellite. Is Out of curiosity for people that are wondering, is this compression only for emergency SOS or is it actually being used uh, currently across the OS? I don't know, but I, I'm just curious about specifically that. Specifically for that use case, and so we can make them three, three times as small, right? Because the bandwidth with satellites is so tiny that every single bit counts. Whereas when you are on you know, 5G or LTE mm -hmm. or any other cellular network, uh, the, the size of the uh, text messages doesn't really matter. Here we're talking to satellites, they're communicating with satellites that are you know, 800 miles <laughs> up and fly very fast at mm -hmm. 15,000 miles an hour. And the bandwidth they have is really, really tiny. Even text messages is a challenge. So we had to find every possibility to reduce the amount of data that we send to ensure that you can get the help you, you need when you need it. 
I'm kind of curious, you know, a lot of times when you guys first put out a feature, it does end up trickling down or getting integrated in other features. Is that, I know you're not going to talk about future product, but is that something that you guys have at least been thinking about? Like, oh, maybe this could come into um, more use cases down the road? Well, the one thing we've already thought about is to, how does it tie in with, for instance, crash detection or all the ways mm. to, uh, to uh, when you're trying to call emergency SOS, right? And basically, uh, if your phone is trying to reach emergency SOS one way or another, and it cannot because it's away from any cell tower or Wi-Fi access point, at that point, the satellite portion will take over. Mm. So for instance, if you're in a crash, right, and your phone or your watch with a phone nearby detect that a crash happened and you cannot reach your phone, maybe you're unconscious, and some, some back road where you have no connectivity, your phone is going to take over and try its best to actually send that information, basic information that there was a crash mm -hmm. at this location to, through a satellite, and it's more likely than not going to succeed, actually. Oh, that, I mean, that's great. So uh, the other thing that I'm thinking about is you've talked about it's coming to the U.S. and Canada. And people that are watching this right now, the, the feature has been turned on, the switch is on. Um, but I'm curious also, you have commented how up to right now 62 degrees north latitude. What is actually the coverage initially for U.S. and Canada? Because, for example, I go to Hawaii a lot. I, is, are we reaching Hawaii? How, how, how north, south, east, and west are we actually, this yeah, feature will be used? Reaching, you know, all 50 states, including beautiful Hawaii, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, including, you know, <laughs> actually also Puerto Rico, for instance, oh, and U.S. Okay. Virgin Islands. We're not uh, available in Guam or American Samoa. And for Canada, it's all of Canada. But as you pointed out, the further north you get, the harder it is to connect uh, to, uh, to a satellite. So above 62 degrees of latitude, it's going to be a bit hard to catch on to a satellite. This is good because, uh, you know, I go on a lot of hikes in Hawaii and to know that that satellite feature, you know, not only is it for emergency SOS, but being able to talk to satellite for Find My, you know, I, I could kind of be at a certain location on a hike and kind of pin that spot with Find My, right? So you can brag with your friends that you went to Hawaii in this beautiful spot? Absolutely. You can do that with Find <laughs> oh, My. So in a way, so you're saying you can... It's kind of not. A, I don't want to say it's a brag, but it is a little bit of like, hey, I'm here in this really remote spot for some of those outdoors type yeah. people. And it's a great way to also just reassure your family, your friends yeah. that you made it safe to that you know top spot or to a camping ground or yeah to the top of the mountain. Yeah, you you made a lot of people really happy that Hawaii is <laughs> included in this. Um, the other thing is, are there any other you know countries or timelines? You know, we start U.S. Canada. Uh, do you, is there any other places that are kind of rolling out in the near future, or when might that be? Actually, next month. We're going to also uh, make uh, emergency SOS via satellite available in the UK. Next month. Ireland. I did not know this. Germany. Ooh. And France. Woo! I think people are going to be really excited about that, too, because yeah. everyone's always wondering, like, with Apple services, when are they going to roll out? So um, that, that's awesome. Now, I do have another question. I'm not, I know you're not going to talk about, you know, future stuff, but when, when we look at the iPhone 14, you know, we know that the modem that is used in addition with like Apple's own proprietary RF components and your own software, this is clearly like kind of a bundle of hardware and software that is in the iPhone right now. Um, is the Apple Watch Ultra is like the ultimate outdoor product, but is this something that you feel like this is a feature that you do eventually want to push out to other products if they can support that hardware wise? You know, our first goal right now is to make this available to millions of customers starting today, right? And over the next few years, we're going to learn a lot and we're very, very excited to make it available for free to anybody who's got an iPhone 14 or 14 Pro uh, for the next two years. See how he said that to me with a nice smile? I like that. Um, <laughs> the last question is when you talk about it for free the next two years, uh, 
I have to ask you this because everyone is asking me this. Do we have even a ballpark of what it might end up costing after two years or how, how do you evaluate that? Yeah, as I was saying, we're going to learn a lot over the next two years and it's an exciting and, and ever-changing landscape, right? So let's talk again in two years. Ooh, okay. So for people that say, Brian, you didn't ask the question, I asked the question. <laughs> thank you so much, Maxime. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Thank, right, thank you. you. Thank Cheers. you. All right, so Emergency SOS Via Satellite is now starting to be available. It's a rollout, so it may not show up immediately on your iPhone 14 or 14 Pro, but for those of you listening, um, I'm dropping this at 5 a.m. on Tuesday just so that this is as current and as fresh as it can be for you all. So check out your phones, and um, you can also watch my videos on my YouTube channel to find out more, to see more. You can see the interview, and then I do have a separate hands-on video of how you can take advantage of not only using the SOS emergency feature, but if you don't obviously want to call the authorities, there's an actual demo mode in the in the settings. If you go to settings, then you go to emergency SOS, you scroll down, and you see an emergency SOS demo mode. So it can actually walk you through it as if you're doing it for reals. And what's cool about that demo is that you can physically see and track the satellites in the sky and use the app as if you were calling for an emergency so you can actually see the fact that it can detect satellites in action and then one other cool thing you know just as i emphasize in the questioning is that you know apple specifically created a compression for messages that get sent via satellite that is three times smaller i think i said larger but um, it was corrected to it's three times smaller it was just in the moment obviously and so that's why I was curious, could they implement this in other, you know, just to save data for us? But they said, no, it is only for satellites. So again, the feature is going to be completely free for the first two years. And then that's going to be in US and Canada, extending all the way to Hawaii. Um, and then also in December sometime, they're going to be opening up to the UK, Ireland, France, and Germany. This will be free for two years, then after that, it will be a monthly subscription fee, as that's what we assume, but Apple has not commented on when that will actually, that switch will actually be turned on and how much that will cost, and they'll just kind of wait out. But I think it's obviously a feature that most of us, I hope, never have to use, but maybe we use. I mean, I, I love the idea of using Find My and sending it to a few important people. Like, if I go on some some really epic location and it looks super remote, I think that is kind of fun and I'm not that's not abusing the feature but you can really use the satellite in three ways. One way is to actually make an emergency call, the other way is to use the demo mode, and then the third way is to actually use Find My to show friends, family and relatives where you are via satellite when you're remote places and um I think that's really cool. Obviously they were really coy about it coming to any future products. Were they going to say it? No, but I still wanted to ask the question. And the main thing is that it is a combination specifically of a Qualcomm X65 modem and then Apple's own RF components that they've incorporated into the iPhone. And then the third piece is their own proprietary software that walks you through it and does the compression. Now, at the moment, from what the last time I've checked and what I recall, the modem in an Apple Watch is an Intel modem. Now, someone may, might correct me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not using a, a Qualcomm X65 modem. If they are, well, that, that gives a lot of hope, but I believe they're using an Intel modem, or at least they were in Apple Watch products. And so that hardware and those RF components that they put in the phone possibly are not small enough to go into the Apple Watch Ultra, but come on, 
I think it's it's a no-brainer that the Apple Watch, specifically the Apple Watch Ultra, made for extreme sports and remote places, would be the next ideal candidate for this feature to show up um, before we see it anywhere else. Don't don't put it in an iPad. Put it in the Apple Watch Ultra, and man, if you could, you could put it in the regular Apple Watch line. But I think that to distinguish the product lineup and the features, and because um, they're other than the new design, you know, longer battery life, bigger screen. Next year, what can they do to make the Apple Watch Ultra, you know, a step above the regular Apple Watch? Give it emergency SOS via satellite and all these satellite features. And I think in addition to potentially seeing new health sensors, that'd be a nice kind of big bump up for the Apple Watch Ultra. All right, let's give a big thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring the podcast. When you're hiring, you're supposed to leave no stone in turn, but do you actually do that? Well, hey, it's pretty easy because if you partner with one powerful stone turner, guess what? You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Well, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment that they sponsor a job. Now, one of the things I really like about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because of their virtual interview feature. Don't make your candidates jump through hoops. Indeed's virtual interview tool means there's nothing to download. You just click and talk. With virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants. No need to install anything extra, and Indeed's virtual interview tool works from your browser. Indeed saves you headaches. Interview virtually with no downloads, plugins, or purchases. You can do it all in one place with Indeed. After using Indeed's virtual interviews, most employers said it saved them days of hiring time, according to Indeed data in the U.S. And on average, applicants who scored proficient or higher on their reliability assessment were twice as likely to be on time for work, according to Indeed data U.S. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in their database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash AppleBits to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need a hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get back to kind of the big other story of the week that has kind of been shaping up. And I know this is coming on the frontier, but I think there's enough pieces of this puzzle to make this an interesting story that we can start talking again about Apple's next major product, right? This mixed reality headset that, you know, everyone is trying to come up with their own solution that they hope kind of takes them to this new era of computing that is still to be determined and still has yet to show us that mainstream is ready for it. Maybe enterprise is where it succeeds first, but Apple is going to do their damnedest to, to make it happen on their end. So here's what we kind of already know, right? The headset itself is likely to be, at least the initial version, some sort of AR, VR, mixed reality headset, potentially priced around $2,000 and $3,000 really on the high end because it's going to pack a M2 chip inside or a M2 level type power chip. Uh, more than 10 cameras placed outside and inside the device 
potential eye tracking. And then the big feature that Apple seems to be going for that no, no one has necessarily cracked the nut on is a super high resolution display and the highest ever featured in a mass market VR AR headset. And I think that is really interesting the more that we've talked about it because, again, I'm not saying that this is for everyone, but if Apple can give us a fidelity that looks significantly better than anything we've seen on the market and feels as crisp and as clear, nearly as clear as like what we see in the real world, maybe let's say like a DSLR level with depth of field, you know, vibrant colors that has these overlays and maybe Apple apps and potentially also lets us escape if we want to experience kind of virtual cinematic experiences that we haven't before with other headsets because of the technology and really because of the fidelity. That is interesting. That is still not 2000 to $3,000 interesting for general consumers. I mean, this is coming in the high end. And even for me, will I obviously buy one to review? Yes. Will I be reluctant because of a price tag that high if it is that high? Absolutely. But look, it's my job to review the tech. And there, I like what I do enjoy with all these different headsets that are out is that you kind of see little incremental steps in small ways as we kind of plot this long road to the inevitable, hopeful future of wearable AR, VR glasses, really AR glasses that are the size of the glasses that you have today. Super sleek, super, super trim. Maybe the arms are a little thicker because there's a CPU in there, but for the most part, it's what you have today. And, and again, I've talked about this before on the podcast after talking with uh, Qualcomm and Snapdragon with their VR platform. I mean, we are at least five to 10 years before we even see something remotely like that, but you know, we're getting there along the way. So this new headset has a new operating system that has been revealed to be dubbed Reality OS. And again, this is mixed reality versions of apps like Apple's Messages and FaceTime and Maps. And maybe there are FaceTime avatars of us, but this first version of the operating system, um, according to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, is codenamed Oak. And it is wrapping up internally and should be ready for the new hardware that we are expecting to see at least Analysts have pinpointed it to the first half of the year, but as time has gone on, the fact that we didn't get, at least up to now, and I don't expect it us to, but the fact that we haven't received a new Mac launch with the M2 Pro and the M2 Max and maybe an M2 Extreme in products like the 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pro, a new Mac Mini, finally, the rebirth of the new official Mac Pro, I mean, that's going to be an event in itself Maybe that happens in March, April, and then maybe I would assume to give them more room if Apple's headset does come out and they say it's the first half of the year. To me now, when people are saying, oh, maybe March, it's it's got to be more. I think WWDC would be the perfect time to do it because you can have developers maybe potentially show off a few concepts, not everyone because they're not going to give the hardware to everyone, but at least give us an idea of what happens. Now, There have been trademark filings for the potential naming of this to be either the Reality Pro or the Reality One, and that would suggest that there's going to be two brands for the device, a future more consumer device, but out of the gates, we expect this to be a more high-end Pro, Pro, I do air quotes, level device. And so the Reality name in there, you know, aligns with the fact that they're calling this Reality OS and Apple's AR development tools are called Reality Kit. So, 
You know, there's a lot of different job listings that have been flying around that have given maybe some more insight into what Apple is doing. Um, listings include that Apple is looking to build a video service for their headset that also features 3D content to be played in virtual reality. And this is interesting because a long time ago, there were rumblings that John Favreau, a director of movies like the all-CG um, movie Lion King, remember it was like a re-adaptation of the animated series? Well, I was fortunate enough to actually go to the studio and see how they made that movie in VR. And what I mean is that they put on VR headsets to go into the world of the Lion King and to see what it was like and be able to place the camera in this virtual world so they knew exactly the shots they were getting at. So much of that movie um, occurred where VR was crucial and even the director of cinematography would go into VR. They created software tools that would emulate the different cameras and lenses that were used for different shots so they could really get that cinematic shot in a virtual world, which was then later out rendered out. I mean, really fascinating, cutting-edge stuff for making a movie, but you would never think that if you didn't know. I think if you go on my YouTube channel, I think it was something... I have a video up called like How the Lion King Was Made in VR. But when you hear about John Favreau aligning with uh, Apple, it also makes sense that the, he would be a partner for this type of content. And Apple also acquired, back in 2020... Next VR, and that was a company that was doing uh, like live events in VR. They had demos of like a a cool Paul McCartney concert, I believe, where he was like at the piano, and there was like fire in the background. I remember this, and it felt like you were in the crowd. Now the fidelity of the visuals were, I feel like they were more like 720p than they were even 1080p at the time, but the concept was there. And Next VR had partnered with like artists and professional sports leagues to transmit their VR content. I don't I don't recall if Next VR was also a partner with the NBA um, and that spun out, but it was events like that. So Apple's also, on top of that, looking for engineers to work on development tools for their new headset, right? So software is obviously, and it's specifically geared towards virtual and augmented reality. Um, you know, things like apps to incorporate Siri and shortcuts within some of these VR apps, which is kind of interesting. And so we see a lot of different developments of how this is really coming together. Um, there's even another job listing that is specifically calling out development of a 3D mixed reality world. And I'm not saying Apple is building their own metaverse. Apple will never use the word metaverse because I think Tim Cook even said like, I, I'll never use that word because meta is Facebook's, uh, well, formerly the artist formerly known as Facebook has invested so much in the metaverse and you know this is a big gamble for that company and pushing this so hard everyone that i talk to that works at facebook they always ask me what i think about the metaverse and i said okay outside of anyone that you know who even cares about tech let's say you even have people that care about tech um but let's say excluding me go walk up to 100 people and ask them what the metaverse is and i would argue maybe two people even have a general idea of what it might kind of be. And the funny thing is these companies still don't really know exactly what the metaverse is. I think how consumers and how businesses will use that will maybe guide that definition more clearly. But yeah, sure, it's a 3D mixed reality type world with avatars. That's what they think it might be, but you don't necessarily know if that's going to be it. So Apple looking to kind of create their own virtual world. And I mean, we already have our Memojis. And if we have Memojis and we have eye tracking in the headset, 
it's highly likely that we would be able to have some sort of, uh, hopefully not a like floating head in a world, but some sense of a body as well. Um, the other thing of how priority high priority this is for Apple is just people that are working on this. So Apple's vice president of AR and VR is run by Mike Rockwell. And so he's a former senior leader on their self-driving car staff, one of their most senior software engineers. You also have Dan Riccio, who's the ex-chief of all of Apple hardware. You used to see him in a lot of the promotional videos. And um, internally, this is being looked at as his final kind of last initiative at Apple. He used to, again, be the ex-chief of all hardware. Now he's focused on Apple's new headset. He also reports directly to CEO Tim Cook. So obviously, this he has a pretty high-profile level position for this project. And then we also have other people that are working specifically like Apple recently shifted over Yaniv Gur. He's the senior director of engineering. And these are these are this is information from Mark Bloomberg's recent report that this gentleman, Yaniv, joined Apple more than 20 years ago. Um, and he is kind of one of the pioneers of the iWork productivity apps. If he's being pushed onto the Apple headset group, you gotta imagine that Apple's also looking for some level or some suite of productivity coming to this new headset as well. So a lot of things happening in the AR VR platform. I think what tells me a lot about how interested you all are is that no one has really called in to talk about it because I think this idea has been thrown around for at least, I swear, like two, three, uh, maybe three or four or five years now because of pandemic, maybe four or five years now. And because it's not real, we're just waiting for it to happen. Do I think that having the highest fidelity of visuals specifically for AR applications could be interesting? Yes. Is it $2,000 to $3,000 interesting? No. But you got to start somewhere and Apple's got to plant their flag in how they're going to approach this. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. Augmented reality is kind of where I we see most of this going from a use case of being useful in everyday life. And when I say that, we're talking about projecting like, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, not not even five. I mean, we're not even close to that, but uh, it is still fun to talk about and Apple's got skin in the game and we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, good. this would be an interesting question. Do you think that we will see an Apple car before we see a thin Apple glass concept? Now, I know this first one will be a bulky headset and it'll probably be five years until we even get like a less bulky headset. But let's let's just throw it out there for fun. And this is a good conversation starter. Maybe have a few thoughts that come with it. Keep it around a minute to two minutes. Do you think the Apple car will come out before Apple glasses and why? Send in your calls, applebitsshow at gmail.com. I will be here. <laughs> I will I will wait patiently to see what you all think, but um, that's kind of one of the big things happening. So I really wanted to cover the big news as soon as it drops. Emergency SOS via satellite, that switch has been turned on for US and Canada. And then in December, the UK, Ireland, Germany, and France, they're all getting it. So check it out. I, I hope you can at least check out the demo mode. And it's really cool. I mean, these satellites that are flying above our heads, I believe they're 800 miles above us and they're moving at 15,000 miles per hour orbiting the earth. There are 
hundreds and thousands of these. I actually don't know the exact number of Global Star satellites out there. But with the app, you can actually see when a, a satellite comes within your range and you don't have to hold your hand up high in the sky, but you kind of move over. And then once it gets in this kind of sweet spot, this green target zone, that's when you can start communicating with emergency services. But it is cool to know. And at one time I was using it and all of a sudden one satellite went out of range and then another satellite popped up that was coming into range and it just hands off. The, it. It's just, again, we'll, we'll probably never use it, but damn, it is really fun. And I will also definitely use it when I'm going on my uh, hikes and I'm heading out to Hawaii in a few weeks to finally take a, a long needed vacation and and yes, there should be content when I'm going out there, um, coming out there, but it'll be fun. But also, I do want to tease one more thing. Um, I will be doing something again with a fruit company. I'm le- I'm literally flying out tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. to do it, and uh, hopefully, it'll be kind of some one a cool thing that you guys and gals like that I will have on my YouTube channel. I'm guessing in another week. So am I teasing a lot of stuff? I am, but uh, it's been crazy. I've been traveling a lot. I mean, I haven't even told, didn't even talk about it. I guess I'll wait to talk about it in this upcoming episode later this week. Uh, just about my time at the MediaTek conference that I just went to, the Executive Summit. Um, a whole lot of cool things. MediaTek is a company where their chips are in probably seventy-five to eighty percent of the tech that you have right now, but you never knew. And uh, they're doing some big things as well, and how that all kind of plays into the greater world of what's happening in tech. Uh, really cool stuff. So I'll talk about that in the next episode. But until then, everybody, we got to give a big shout out. Big thanks to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level on Patreon.com slash Brian Tong, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jared Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Thank you, all of you who support me at every level. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode. There will be another dropping in, honestly, like a few more days. So take care. Be safe. We'll be back. Same bad time. Same bad channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.